up, everybody? We're back for Potty Train Me. I know we haven't been doing as many episodes. I think this is just the third one we've done since late September. So I'm really excited to be back. I feel like I'm in a good headspace. I got Robbie here with me. We're going to do an NFL playoff preview. And we really wanted to do another one of these because last year, back on the Zane Gang, might have been one of, if not my favorite episode that we have done. One of our favorite internet personalities right now would call it Elite. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm just really happy to be going back on the Zane Gang round two. Hey, Greg, and hey to all the Potty Train Me listeners. I'm super excited to be back. And you actually stole what I was going to say is after last year's Back on the Zane Gang, I think we have some pretty high expectations to live up to um, in our lead into the playoffs episode. Well, let's see if we can answer the call. I mean, this is what it's all about. Oh, yeah. Week 18 is over. It's the first time we had an extra week in the 17-game NFL season. There are 14 playoff teams. It's the second year now where that is happening. And COVID is still very much a thing and has affected the season in a number of different ways. It's also roughly the one-year anniversary of Joe Judge complaining about Doug Peterson uh, putting Nate Sudfeld in the game, kind of giving the Washington football team the division title so that his 6-10 and 10 Giants didn't get a playoff spot. And it's a damn shame because I really feel like that's the one team that had a chance to stop the Bucks on their eventual Super Bowl run. Well, with the way they ended the season... I have no doubt about it. <laughs> so actually, on that note, that's a good way to start because as we did some saying our goodbyes last year to some of those teams like the 6-10 and 10 New York Giants, let's say our goodbyes to some teams this year. And it was actually kind of a surprising Week 18. The biggest surprise of all, one of the worst losses I might have ever seen in my lifetime, especially regular season, has to be... Look, there were three teams I said just looked absolutely dead to me and had nothing left in the tank, and that was the Giants, the Panthers, and the Jaguars. And I think it's fair to say that the Jaguars looked absolutely dead, yeah. but for some reason, they decided to have one good game and beat the Colts 26-11, to yeah. with the Colts scoring eight of those at the very end. So basically killing the Colts in a win-and-in game, and now the Colts are sitting at home all playoffs. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, how a lot of times after a coach gets fired, the team will kind of rally around the interim the next week. It would have made sense if that happened for the Jaguars right after Urban Meyer got fired, but it's almost like that hit them just way later. Um, but yeah, like you said, the Colts, all they had to do was go into probably the worst team in the league win a game and they make the playoffs and by the way this team had if anything incentive to lose so that they could get the first pick in the draft and yet they still just got absolutely destroyed it wasn't even a close contest so even though I do feel like the Colts may have been a more talented team than the Steelers or maybe even the Raiders I I can't have any sympathy for them for not taking care of business against the Jaguars. Yeah, not at all. Anytime a team is able to control their own destiny, I don't feel as bad when it just collapses like this right. for them. 
Look, all year I've been saying how Carson Wentz sucks and is overrated and sticking up for our boy Jared Goff. And even though the first half of the season was real rough, uh, Carson Wentz ended the season with one of the worst losses we've ever seen, and Jared Goff became an MVP candidate. Yeah, I feel like the public perception of Jared Goff really improved in the second half of the season. Like, he was starting off with so much hate. People were saying he was the worst quarterback in the league. And then by the end, he ended up missing a couple games because of COVID. And people were saying that he could have actually kept the Lions in the game if he were to have played. So I just thought that was cool to see his uh, popularity go up. Yeah, and I'm not even trying to defend Goff. Like, he had a great first half to two-thirds of the year. But it's hard when you have very little to nothing around you. And it's not like Matthew Stafford being with the Rams has amazingly improved their standing, both statistically and as a team, especially given all the stars they've signed. That's a whole separate side conversation. But look, Carson Wentz threw for only 200-plus yards in two of his last eight games. They were very Jonathan Taylor dependent. And there's also the vaccine argument to be made. And before you get turned off, by this, even though I think most people listening won't react that way anyway. (laughs) I just want to say this. Regardless of your personal beliefs about COVID and the vaccine, if you are a franchise quarterback of a team and getting paid millions of dollars to be that guy, don't you do everything in your power to put your team in position to win and succeed? I mean, just from a professional standpoint alone... It seems odd. Carson Wentz was selfish. Kirk Cousins was selfish. Kyrie Irving is selfish. Uh, And I hate to say it, Aaron Rodgers is selfish too. He's just way, way, way better than Jordan Love. And so we try to block that out a lot of the time. But like, you take a guy like Josh Allen, who wasn't vaccinated before the season, and then he ended up getting it because it made the most sense for his team. And by the way, the Bills did need to win those last four games pretty bad. And so that's a guy you want leading your team. Yeah, I mean, and Ryan Tannehill is another guy like that who I think wasn't vaccinated at the start of the season. He did complain about how the NFL kind of forced his hand, but he figured that it was the best thing for um, the Titans franchise and got the vaccine. And guess what? He hasn't missed any games this year. And despite Derrick Henry injuries, um, among others, the Titans somehow got the number one seed in a crowded AFC playoff field. The Titans were unbelievable. Yeah, uh, yeah ideological yeah. arguments aside, the vaccine thing does blow my yeah. mind a little bit. Carson Wentz, even though he didn't end up missing a game, yeah. played horribly against the Raiders in Week 17. And Kirk Cousins missed a must-win game at Lambeau. By the way, they beat the Packers the first time they met the season. It's the only NFC North team that can beat the Packers in the Matt LaFleur era. So, kind of really hurt his team. I remember uh, mom texted us and was like, do you feel bad for Kirk Cousins? And we're like, not as bad as everyone else on the Vikings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you said, Carson Wentz, he didn't end up missing a game. So, that's the easy counter argument. But, I mean, it still probably was disruptive to the team and the practice schedule and like you said he did not perform um in a few of those last games and it kind of got me wondering 
Like, I know that Philip Rivers last year on the Colts definitely was not in the prime of his career, still a little bit sloppy, but I wonder, do you think if he, he had, say, um, stayed another year, played for the Colts and been the starter, do you think that that same exact team makes the playoffs? Well, my first question to you is, is it the same version of Philip Rivers that they got last year, or is it one year older, maybe a little less gas in the tank? We'll say one year older, a little less gas in the tank. I'm going to say no, and okay. it's not like I like sticking up for Carson Wentz all that much, but one thing that Carson Wentz actually did fairly well was not turn the ball over for mm-hmm. a large stretch of games when the Colts were starting to get back in it. Um, you know, he was good at not turning it over. They had a very strong identity with Jonathan Taylor. The defense was forcing turnovers. I think they had the highest turnover differential in the league. I don't know if they finished with the highest turnover. Uh, I think they may have tied with the Cowboys. Oh, wow. Or something at plus 14. But so Phillip Rivers, there's the turnover risk yeah. as well. Uh, Carson Wentz, I'm not saying he always made great plays. He did maybe have one of the worst turnovers I had seen all year. Well, I think every, every Carson Wentz turnover <laughs> is one of the worst turnovers you've ever seen. It's just that he had a stretch where he wasn't doing it as That's much. That's fair. The shovel pass. He also had the genius pick six to get his team <laughs> the ball back when he was getting hit in his own end zone and just threw it up in the air. Yeah, but regard, <laughs> I was also thinking, I don't want to... Uh, put salt in the wound for our Colts fans listeners but could you imagine if Andrew Luck was still in his prime on this team now with MVP candidate Jonathan Taylor and with how good the defense was playing like how good do you think that a Colts team with Andrew Luck would be right now do you think they could maybe even be in the Super Bowl conversation oh absolutely I mean also look at the AFC this year and even the NFC it's not as clear-cut as to who's dominant there's still the top tier teams but the Chiefs didn't look uh flawless for a lot of the year they're still one of the best teams but they're not the Chiefs that we all came to expect um you know the Titans are the number one seed but they clearly have their flaws uh, the Packers, the Bucks are not perfect either on the other side. Uh, the Rams have their issues. Arizona kind of fell off a cliff. And so, yeah, with a healthy Andrew Luck, I think they could definitely be in that conversation. The only thing that I would point to as a weakness is maybe not the best weapons. Um, you know, Andrew Luck's health was also a concern, which is why he is retired now. And I don't want to make Colts fans any more depressed than they need to be. So we'll move on to another team. <laughs> Let's say goodbye to the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, um, honestly, I have nothing against the Saints as a franchise, and I respect Sean Payton, especially considering what he was able to do this year coming off of um, franchise quarterback Drew Brees' retirement and still making them a playoff contender up until the very last week, um, despite starting quarterback Jameis Winston having a season in ending injury in the middle of the year. Um, but I'm going to be honest, I'm very glad that we are in fact saying goodbye to the Saints this week because I did not want to see them in the playoffs. I think that all things considered, it's pretty clear that the 49ers are a more talented, more exciting, and better football team. 
Totally, totally. I was really glad to see the Niners in the playoffs as well. Nobody who isn't a Saints fan or like immediate family of Trevor Simeon wanted to see <laughs> Trevor Simeon play in the playoffs. And I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. By the way, Sean Payton, you're right, has done an incredible job. He's one of those coaches that has been around for so long and good for so long that he's kind of becoming underappreciated again. Yeah. It's kind of like Mike Tomlin, who we're going to get to later. Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you this. As Packers fans, would you have been worried about a Packers-Saints rematch considering how badly they destroyed us in week one? I mean, from a rational standpoint, yeah. no. But if Olivia Munn got pregnant again or, like, had the baby, which, I yes, I know that's not how science works, uh, then I'd probably be terrified. <laughs> and look, uh, the, for the Saints in the playoffs, I'm sure there's a whole crowd of people out there who are thinking, but the Saints are Tom Brady's kryptonite. Right, except for when they met in the playoffs last year and the Bucks won that game handedly. Yeah, it's like the Bucks won the one game that actually mattered. I think they're doing just fine. And also, by the way, if Tom Brady does have a kryptonite, it's obviously Taylor Heineke who just owns him on all aspects of the quarterbacking position. Yeah, of course. And it's a bummer we don't get to see Taylor Heineke making some plays in the playoffs. Um, another team that we need to say goodbye to is the Baltimore Ravens. We don't need to spend a ton of time talking about them. The good news for the Ravens is that no one's going to look at them and say they entirely choked away their season. Like, yes, they started 8-3, and three, lost their last six, but at some point, the injuries and COVID is just too much to overcome. And when your transcendent quarterback misses a month of the season down the stretch, it kind of makes it hard to win games when you're already decimated like that. Yeah, I think when you kind of step back for a second and look at the season from a whole, it becomes a little less upsetting for Ravens fans considering all of the injuries they had at the start of the season with J.K. Dobbins, Marcus Peters, second string running back Gus Edwards, and then obviously Lamar had the injury struggles at the end of the season. So it's hard to, you know, win some games in that final stretch and mount a... um, postseason run without your you know best player and starting quarterback but I think that if anything they had overachieved at the beginning of the season by starting so hot and kind of built up um, expectations too high considering all of the adversity that they were dealing with Um, and then I think eventually just all kind of caught up to them and at some point, MVP caliber players like Hollywood Brown can only <laughs> take so much on their shoulders, and he wasn't able to push them into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, Hollywood <laughs> Brown. Hey, your preseason MVP pick. By the way, he actually was doing really well through the first six weeks or so, Yeah, and then fell off a major cliff and ended up becoming the Hollywood Brown that we probably thought we were going to see, <laughs> maybe even a little bit worse. Hey, well, speaking of preseason, the Ravens actually did have one major achievement in the season, and that is winning the record for most consecutive preseason victories in NFL history with 20. So all in all, would you say that this season was a success? 
Unless they would have won the Super Bowl otherwise, yes. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Um, Wait, can I add one more note on John Harbaugh and the yeah. Ravens before we move on? Which is, I love John Harbaugh. I think he's a great coach, and I love watching his team. And that Super Bowl run he had, I thought was so well-deserved, because I want to see him get one ring in his coaching career. But the funniest moment of the last half of the season for me is when the Bengals killed the Ravens, and Joe Burrow threw for like 525 yards or whatever. And after the game, John Harbaugh was complaining about the Bengals calling plays to run up the stats and get Burrow all those passing yards. And it's like, weren't you guys the team that didn't take a knee and instead run five yards in Denver so you could keep the 100-yard rushing streak alive? (laughs) I had forgotten about that, but yeah, that's pretty funny. That might have been Jim Harbaugh up on the podium instead of John. (laughs) He's definitely got a little bit of Jim in him. Almost like they're related or something. Wow. Worst pair of brothers ever after us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So the team that most glaringly... We have to say goodbye to, given what happened on Sunday, is the Los Angeles Chargers after they lost their win or go home or tie and not go home. I don't know if that made sense. But yeah, they lost to the Raiders in the last seconds of overtime, and now they will not be in the 2022 NFL playoffs. I mean, man, talk about best for last i think that was seriously the game of the year yeah the ravens had about five contenders for game of the year but uh this was probably the game of the year and Mm -hmm. it was crazy especially when you consider steelers fans hopelessly watching thinking like yeah it's gonna be okay and then like slowly it gets more and more tense um yeah i i'm not gonna lie it was kind of sad to see the chargers go home i didn't want to see the raiders choke or anything but i do love Justin Herbert a lot. Um, we were watching with our good friend Owen Finney. I'll mention him before <laughs> you do because you shout him out every episode. And he's a Chargers fan, so obviously we cared a lot about that. Our other friend, Nathan, who's a Raiders fan, was at the game in Las Vegas. So just all sorts of conflict yeah. going on there. But like, I will say this. Justin Herbert is a bad motherfucker. Like, that was seriously one of the most special performances I've ever seen, and he's in his second season as a starter. Like, six different plays, literally six different plays, their season would have ended if things didn't go exactly their way, and they only got one penalty, which was a hold on Jared Cook, and a Uh valid call uh, to extend it. But it was five fourth and longs. Yep including the one where they had to review the bad spot and another that was a 4th and 21 to the end zone. Yeah. And then another one that was the third down on defense where they had to get the ball back for their final drive. Yeah, and not to mention uh, the pass that was called an incompletion to Guyton that was the second last play of the fourth quarter that eventually got overturned and ruled as a catch and set up the game-winning touchdown pass. So there was just tons of moments there where you think if one of those plays went differently the Chargers probably wouldn't have been able to force overtime right right and um yeah both their touchdowns were fourth and 21 and as time expired and it's not like the receivers were playing that great either yeah Keenan Allen had a key drop he's usually their main guy I mean I don't know it was 
it was like as Chris Collinsworth said, like it was almost unbelievable how that game was playing out. Just it, they were building so much suspense by never doing anything on first or second down and usually not third down. So you kept thinking the game was going to be over and then, oh no, the dream stays alive. And I do feel for the Chargers fans because it was a very heartbreaking loss. But Yeah, I mean, like, I was in pain yeah, and I'm not exactly. a Chargers fan. But I mean, like you said, Justin Herberts did have a big boy game. Per se. Oh, absolutely and a big boy game. I think that because of him and because of how well this team is developing, even though they didn't make the playoffs this year, they're going to be a threat in the years to come if they continue to build that roster and most notably try to work on their uh, spotty run defense. Yeah, well, let's talk about the future because it was kind of a letdown to the end of the season. Even though nine and eight, if you were told beforehand, you'd be like, "Yeah, it's not terrible." Yeah, didn't make the playoffs. They, I think, were eight and five. Did not finish the season very strong. They got hit by COVID and then lost to the Texans. Uh, just a lot of frustrating things uh-huh. to end the Chargers' season. I know you have a question about uh, Brandon Staley because that was just a big focus of the aftermath in that game. Yeah, so do you think that he deserves criticism for calling the timeout on third and four with like 38 seconds left in overtime, allowing the teams to regroup, and then Josh Jacobs gets that run, puts them into field goal range, and then Daniel Carlson hits the game-winning field goal? Do you think that that's Staley's fault for allowing the teams to get settled more, or is that just part of football? I mean, this is a tough question. I'm not as convinced on feeling like Brandon Staley cost his team the game as many other people are. Yeah. You also don't really know these things, uh, what goes on in the locker room, what goes on in the huddle. Then, of course, there was the whole Osneckler interaction with the Raiders player where people thought he said were you going to take a knee? And then the Raiders player said, yeah. And then Austin Eckler kind of gives this look of like, oh, damn. And I don't know what was really said there. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Brandon Staley. It's hard not to stick up for him. And I don't know for sure if that timeout would have cost them the game. Like, obviously, if you're the Raiders, you're okay with a tie. But you're also in the driver's seat at that point anyway. So yeah. why would you not just try the long field goal anyway? Your kicker is on fire. Um, and look, like winning did matter. You know, uh-huh. they could have taken a knee, but they get to go play the Chiefs if they tie the game. And I had it written down somewhere, but the Chiefs, I think, had outscored them 89 to 23 combined in the two yeah. games that they played earlier this season. And now they get to go play the Bengals, which, you know, much of the public would consider on paper a far more winnable game against a young team with a young coach all in their first playoff appearance. By the way, the Chargers' run defense is really spotty, and so if you think that their defense is gassed and going to give up a big play, maybe you call the timeout. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's hard to say for certain if the Raiders were going to take the knee. I know Derek Carr said after the game that the timeout definitely changed their approach. Uh Uh-huh. But I don't know. It's just... I'm yeah. not as convinced as the rest of the world. It's also not like they called a super aggressive play call after that. Like, it was still a run up the middle to Josh Jacobs, which, in theory, 
could have been stopped pretty easily. So I don't know. I think it, I agree. It's tough to put all of the blame on Brandon Staley there, especially considering it from his point of view when he probably didn't know what the Raiders' strategy was. And at some point, you got to play for the what's best for your team instead of expecting that the opposition is just going to sell for the tie. Because imagine if he had done that and then the Raiders ended up being aggressive and it caught them off guard. He would have gotten so much more criticism and deserved it. And by the way, the Raiders were still in long field goal range. Yeah. Like it's, you know, of course <laughs> there's the possibility of it getting blocked and returned for touchdown, but there's a way greater possibility of either a miss or a make. Yeah, if if Allegiant Stadium wasn't uh, the absolute optimal kicking conditions for Daniel Carlson, it very well could have played out differently. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, sad to see the Chargers go, but congratulations to the Raiders. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, let's say goodbye to the Dolphins. I actually don't really have anything to say about the Dolphins other than tell me are you a bad fish to a... Are you a bad fish to a... But Greg, dolphins technically aren't fish. They're mammals. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, to the <laughs> dolphins are actually mammals crowd. I just want to say I know and thank you. Uh, I have nothing against Tua as a human being, but I do get bothered by the people who are now being overly positive about him during the whole win streak. It's like, who cares if he sucks or if he's just decent? Either way, he's so much worse than Justin Herbert and will probably never be better than Justin Herbert. Yeah, the Dolphins have had two frustrating seasons in a row where they end up with a pretty decent record but just miss out on the playoffs, which is why I was pretty surprised when they decided to fire Brian Flores. And I know that he didn't always get along with the management, apparently, but I do think it was impressive what he had done with this roster and I wonder, moving forward, if they're going to be able to sustain that competitiveness with the players that they have on the team right now. I mean, I will say this about the Brian Flores firing with the Dolphins in their future is, like, yes, I think Brian Flores is a good coach. I think that became pretty clear over the course of three seasons. They overachieved that first year when they were supposed to be just the absolute pit of the NFL and then we're nearly a playoff team in the next two seasons. But, you know, when you come from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, like Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, right? But let's talk about some of the other recent examples who, I mean, I'm just going to say this. In college football, if you're Nick Saban or Kirby Smart or Dabo Sweeney, people skills and relationships don't really matter as much when you can recruit and get the best players. In the NFL, it matters. Like, Chip Kelly, good example, great college coach at Oregon, had no people skills in the NFL, and it was kind of hard in NFL locker rooms and with management. And I'm not saying Brian Flores was a bad coach. I'm not saying that the Dolphins organization is functional either. But I'm just saying that, you know, people who come from the Bill Belichick coaching tree (sighs) might be a little more interested in power and discipline as opposed to the important things and if you're as good as Bill Belichick it doesn't really matter when you've won as much as he has yeah but like Matt Patricia didn't last long Joe Judge that was a nice two-year stint and after he 
was told he was staying, got fired. Yeah. Well, speaking of Joe Judge and the Bill Belichick coaching tree, I think we should say goodbye to the Giants, even though they were technically eliminated a long time ago. And they were uh, spiritually eliminated by me in, like, week three. So, um... I do think they finished the year as the worst team in the NFL. I think it was the Jags and Giants, but the Jags proved themselves yeah. to be the 31st best team, or maybe 30th if you want to throw the Panthers down there. Or the Colts. <laughs> the Colts. Uh, yeah, so preparing for this episode, I had written something about if Joe Judge is really coming back. I just want to say I'm so sorry for the Giants fans. Obviously, since then, he has been let go. In the final five weeks of the season, the Giants got outscored 143-47. to So that's losing an average of over 19 points per game. Um, three of those games, they scored single digits. And you know what? Now there is some reason to be slightly hopeful because maybe in two to three years, you will be decent again. Maybe. Maybe. That's a big if. I think at some point, they're going to have to move on from... Daniel Jones. Hate to be the one to say it, but I just don't think he's the guy, and I definitely don't think that <coughs> Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm is either. No, but at least they have Patrick Graham's been a good defensive coordinator. They don't have the worst roster in the NFL, I yeah. would say. Yeah. And maybe Saquon Barkley still has something left in the tank. Yeah, well, we will see, but... For now and the rest of the playoffs, the Giants will definitely not be a factor. Um, but speaking of the playoffs, let's talk about some of the teams that actually did have clutch performances in Week 18 and got into the playoffs, um, starting with the 49ers. Oh, well, talk about a big boy performance. Yeah. Justin Herbert had a big boy performance and sadly lost. Jimmy Garoppolo had a big boy performance and won. I do want to say this. Uh, the Sean McVay is undefeated when leading at halftime stat. I'm so glad that's over because I told you this in the middle of the game. That was like becoming the equivalent of the kid from Jerry Maguire saying, Did you know the human head weighs eight pounds? Oh my god, yeah. And like at first I was like, oh cool, Sean McVay is 40-0 and when leading at halftime. Like, wow, that is really impressive. Then it was like, Sean McVay is 41-0, and 42-0. And I was like, yeah, like totally impressive stat. And then it was like... 43, 44, and I was just like, okay, like, we get it, you know? And I don't have any problem with the Rams. I actually like the Rams a lot, as you know by my history. But they were already in the playoffs, and they ended up winning yeah. the division, actually. Well, are you a little bit relieved that that stat can no longer be said anymore? Oh, totally. Okay. I'm 100% relieved, yeah. And um, But let's talk about the Niners, not yeah. the Rams. <laughs> so I do want to say this. Uh, Jimmy G, like, for all the criticism he's gotten over the last couple of years, he's been pretty clutch, especially for being a not-great quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and I know that he did have a couple of bad plays in that game, and he wasn't playing great in the first half. So, sure, he deserves some criticism, but there is something to be said for the fact that he seemingly did not get rattled at all and put together a really, really clutch second half. And that, I'm not going to lie, that 90-yard game-tying drive at the end of regulation, after that punt, I thought... Mostly passing yards, by the way. There was, exactly, there was no way because that offense is so centered around Debo Samuel. And I thought that 
if the Rams could just lock him down, that it was going to be really hard. But Jimmy hung in there, made some great throws, and Jawan Jennings stepped up. Um, yeah, like who? I know. And then, again, in overtime, he had a really good drive to get them into field goal range. So, yeah, lots of credit to Jimmy Garoppolo. I know. He also played that game with a bum thumb, by the way, which makes him the only quarterback in the last two years to tough it out with a bad thumb and then come in and win a must-win game. Wait, hold hmm. on. No, there might have been another one last year. Maybe no, definitely not. One of the other teams we were just talking about. Mm, I don't think so. Okay, you're right. Let's just move on since that <laughs> never happened. We did talk about the Raiders a little bit. Um, you know, we talked about for all the people who acted like they were for sure taking knee. We're not entirely convinced. Uh, they would have played the Chiefs versus the Bengals. But, you know, I'm really happy for the Raiders after everything they've been through. Like, the whole script on the Raiders was that they were the team that was kind of always in the hunt, but they needed everything to break their way over the last month, and yeah. then it wouldn't. I'm not going to lie. I was never taking them seriously in the playoff hunt until, I guess, before Week 18 when they were in a win-in game. But even then, I thought that the Chargers were the better team, and I thought they were going to win. So credit to the Raiders for staying in the hunt even though they had a few bad losses they also had a lot of really big wins and um, especially considering all of the adversity they went through this year with John Gruden um, his emails being released in which he made some insensitive comments and obviously Henry Ruggs um, and the tragedy that ensued after his DUI. And then um, a couple of other teammates getting into some off-the-field instances yeah. as well. So it's it would be easy for a team that experienced all that to just get rattled and not um, perform. But they hung in there, and I'm happy for that franchise, especially the players and the coaching staff, um, that they were able to end up making the playoffs. Yeah, especially Derek Carr as well, because yeah. he... You know, we talked about Jimmy being relatively clutch. Derek Carr is not the best quarterback in the league. He's been really clutch. And yeah. not just this year, but he has in the past too. But this year he really showed it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, most importantly, I do like Derek Carr with the long hair. I think he looks a little bit less like he's like an edgy teenager with the goth emo look. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, before we go back to all the uh, banter and fun, I don't think we've ever talked about the Henry Ruggs incident on the podcast before. Uh -huh. And, you know, the John Gruden thing obviously was a huge story. Uh, it was a very big deal. Totally shook up the locker room. Yeah. But you can look at that and kind of look at somebody making a mistake and just being like, well, you know, they really shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And they resigned as head coach and it happened. Uh, Henry Ruggs, there's absolutely nothing about that that felt good at all. Like, yes, he deserves to go to jail, and yes, he made a horrible mistake, but no one wanted to see that kid's career end. He doesn't have any incidences in the past of being, like, some horrible person. I mean, there's players in the NFL, maybe present, and definitely in the past, where you're like, uh, that person sucks. Yeah. And uh, for that to happen to that locker room and just... To get it all shaken up like that, I mean, Henry Ruggs is my age, wow. and that happened. And I'm not saying that I could see myself making a decision like that, but if you had asked Henry Ruggs beforehand, I don't know if he would have either. 
Yeah, um, it's super sad, but the Raiders are in the playoffs, um, and I hope that they can have a competitive matchup against the Bengals this week. It'll be good that Derek Carr finally actually gets to play in a playoff game. Um, so I do like their chances, considering that Connor Cook won't be taking all the snaps. Yeah, and now Chris Collinsworth can go to bed at night knowing that there wasn't a tie. <laughs> oh my, yeah. He was really freaking out there at the end. And I mean, rightfully so, because it would have been pretty ridiculous if that game had in fact ended up in a tie but wow he was like calling that i think like as soon as it became a one score game in regulation it was like all right hold on buddy we still got a long way to go yeah chris collinsworth was all over the tie and the funniest part of that game for me was seeing the camera go with 40 seconds left and a running clock to a Steelers fan at Allegiant who was just like throwing a full-on tantrum because I would have been that guy. Yeah, totally relatable. And it's like you said when we saw that initially, you're like, could you imagine going to a <laughs> football game and being like, all right, I'm completely happy with any result as long as it doesn't end up in a tie. And then literally it's looking like it might be a tie as time is winding down in overtime and you're just thinking... Your worst nightmares yeah. playing out right in front of your eyes. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, well, good for the Raiders. We're going to see them in the first playoff game. Yes. And the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in. A total shocker, big part uh, due to the Colts losing to the Jaguars. And I'm going to be a little bit honest. I'm kind of salty about this one. I'm very happy for Big Ben getting his one last game. I'm really happy for Mike Tomlin. That guy is seriously one of my favorite coaches in the league. I think a lot of people, after they saw how Antonio Brown played out with the Bucks, are like, whoa, Mike Tomlin had to deal with so much in the locker room. But it wasn't just him. He had Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown, a lot of other personalities. And he's never had a losing season in 15 years. Um... I don't like this game, though, because that game against the Ravens was really ugly, and if Lamar Jackson was healthy enough and played, I think there's a 90% chance the Ravens win that game, and please don't give me the Lamar played in the first matchup that they had and then they lost argument, because I was watching this game, the Week 18 version, and Tyler Huntley wasn't that good, and it really shouldn't have been that close. Yeah, I thought that there was no way that the Steelers could possibly sneak their way into the playoffs, given that everyone expected that the Colts would go down to Jacksonville and win. Um, So the fact that they did make it, I guess it's pretty cool, good for them, for much like the Raiders did, staying in the playoff hunt um, throughout the entire year when a lot of people probably weren't taking them very seriously. But I don't know. I will say this. If you're the Steelers right now, and particularly Big Ben, who told his team that he was going to retire after the season, do you really want to get into the playoffs and have to play the much more talented Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, who have had somewhat of a dynasty in the AFC in the past few years? Or would it have been better if maybe... They went out with the win against a division rival, say goodbye to your franchise quarterback, have a nice happy ending, and then just move on. Yeah, I mean, and then let's talk about that, because Ben Roethlisberger yesterday 
in this press conference said, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs probably like the best team in football. We're like probably like 20 point underdogs. We don't really stand a chance. So let's go out there and have fun. I hate this because I sent this to you right away because we know that when Big Ben decides to play victim or go all drama queen mode, his win percentage the following week is unbelievably high and it pisses me off. Yeah, I, you're right. He's totally just setting this up for a dramatic victory against the Chiefs where he can be a drama queen afterwards. And I don't know. I, it's honestly is like a very like middle school. It reminded me of like some cocky kid all of a sudden like getting like super humble like before a big game or something or race. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not that good anyways, whatever. Just so that... If they do lose, it's expected, but if they win, then it's a triumph. Uh, and now that we know the Chiefs are human because we saw them struggle for like six to seven weeks of the season, it kind of is just making me start visualizing the offense stalling and not looking right at all and them losing this game like 13 to 9. Uh, don't even say that. <laughs> I don't even hate the Steelers. I, I just I don't want to see that. Well, I mean, speaking of which, like, I don't hate the Steelers either, but I don't really want to watch them in the playoffs. Um, I also don't really want to watch the Eagles in the playoffs, and those are both the seven seeds in their respective conferences, which kind of makes me wonder if the playoff expansion from six to seven teams, which took effect last season is really all that great of a rule change because, I don't know, last year we had the Bears get destroyed by the Saints. Um, Mitch Trubisky did win the Nickelodeon MVP award, um, so good for him. But now we have the Steelers and the Eagles, and none of those teams I was particularly excited to see. Then again, this is being recorded before the playoff takes place, so maybe one of them will surprise me. I mean, at least Bill's Colts was pretty good last yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. The Colts did earn a spot. Yeah, I hear you, year. though. I hear you. That's, I'm actually glad you bring that up. That's a perfect segue into what's going to be two segments from now, but first, we're going to move into a little Coach of the Year talk, and I want to do this because there can only be one Coach of the Year award, but... There are always a few every year who I think deserve a lot of love and are worthy mm -hmm. of more credit, uh, regardless of whether or not they were in that Coach of the Year discussion. So I just want to talk about a few of them right now. Um, I'll mention Brandon Staley first because I know that people were very thumbs down on him at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand it, why people fired back at him, how he was a little overly aggressive, probably could have been a little more cautious against the Chiefs on that Thursday night game, and they could have won. Um, but I think he is a terrific leader for the locker room, and like Justin Herbert, just so humble, so grateful to be there, and I'm really rooting for him in future years. Let's yeah. also talk some Zach Taylor, because Zach that's attack. someone... Zach Attack. I mean, I, we thought he was going to get fired. Yeah, I actually predicted in our preseason episode with our father that he was going to be the first coach in the league fired because we did a little segment about that so the fact that the Bengals instead of sucking in the beginning of the year and him getting fired ended up winning a very talented AFC North do have to give him a lot of credit for making that team good considering that 
me and a lot of other people had pretty low expectations. Yeah, and it's not easy when you're managing a bunch of young talent too. The Bengals mm-hmm. have a lot of young talent, but like T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, uh, Tyler Boyd, all pretty young. So Joe Burrow, speak. young too. Oh, I didn't even mention Burrow. Yeah. I thought I did. My bad. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, <laughs> so that I mean, yeah, Zach Taylor, good for him. Uh, we kind of thought he was just like, a, oh, he's friends with Sean McVay, so he got a coaching job. Yeah. He's never going to do anything. Credit to him. He did something great. Um, I really think Nick Sirianni deserves credit, yeah. too. I think the Eagles were looked at as a team that people thought were going to be terrible. Like, yeah. is Jalen Hurts really a starter in the NFL? And it's not that the Eagles are great. I know that a lot of their wins came against sub-500 teams. But you got to give him some credit for at least going with what he had. And at some point, if you can beat the bad teams, you're not a bad team. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, like you said, going into the year, no one expected the Eagles to be very good. So you do have to give credit to a first-year coach for making them into a playoff team with a winning record. Um, Definitely exceeded expectations. Um, But I don't know, some other people that we could talk about and who are probably, you know, more likely winners of this award are Mike Vrabel and Matt LaFleur, both yeah. the number one seeds um, in their conferences, both overcame some serious adversity throughout the year. Oh, totally. I mean, Matt LaFleur, I think you can look at those first couple of years and think, well, he came into a great situation. He has one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Yeah. He has a top two wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, so... In some ways, it was laid out for him very nicely. You know, if he had Jordan Love starting all year, would they have had a winning record? I don't know. But when you look at the offseason, and I mean, we had a whole episode about that when it felt like the sky was falling. Yeah. It was over for the Packers. They came out week one and got embarrassed by the Saints. Wasn't even a true road game. That game was played in Jacksonville uh, due to Hurricane Ida. And Matt LaFleur, credit to him, man. He overcame... Some adversity. That yeah. win in Arizona was an offensive masterpiece. And then Mike Vrabel would probably be my pick for coach of the year. Given that the Titans lost the soul and identity of their team, Ryan Tannehill is a good, not great quarterback. A.J. Brown was out for a while. Julio turned out to be a disaster if we're talking injuries. And they're the number one seed somehow. They played 88 different players this season. Wow. Wow. Well, speaking of adversity, I know that we already talked a lot about what the Raiders went through this year, so I think it's also Raiders. <laughs> it's also valid <laughs> to mention Rich Bisaccia, who was the interim coach, stepped in for John Gruden after he resigned. Um, and given that the Raiders ended up making the playoffs as the five seed um, in a really talented AFC that absolutely deserves a lot of credit. Oh, totally. I mean, I really feel like he deserves the job next year just for getting them into the playoffs. That's crazy. Yeah. What's funny is I never saw him that animated on the sidelines, so I was kind of like, you know, you talked about the Raiders not taking him that seriously as a playoff threat until the very end. Yeah. And I'm kind of with you there, and you saw him just yelling at points in the Week 18 matchup, and I was like, okay, I kind of like this guy Yeah, now. totally. Um, and... Unfortunately, if we're going to talk about Coach of the Year, we probably will have to 
bring up Bill Belichick because regardless of my personal feelings about him, um, the Patriots with a rookie quarterback um, and a roster that not a lot of people thought was top tier ended up making the playoffs as the sixth seed. They finished at 10-7, and seven, um, and there was a point in the season where they looked really hot and like um, one of the best teams in the league. So I think that considering all of the changes that that franchise went through in the past couple of years, he deserves a lot of credit for getting them to a place where they can be a legitimate contender again. Yeah, and their defense was unbelievable, just shutting teams down time and time again. Uh, you're right. I can't be on the team of Mac Jones was an overhyped quarterback, even though he's not bad. I just don't think he's great. And then also say that Bill Belichick shouldn't be in the coach of the year discussion. Yeah. He absolutely should. Mike Rabel's probably my pick. Bill Belichick is probably right behind him with Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Uh, so unbelievable job. And the last one I want to bring up, which I'm doing not sarcastically at all. I'm going to say it. David Coley overachieved. And now I know the Texans stink. And I know that's a dysfunctional organization, but he was kind of brought in to be like the fall guy for this yeah. giant disaster. And the Texans were kind of scrappy. They won some games, four games, and they stayed competitive in a lot of other games that they ended up losing. And it's just like, I'm not saying people thought the Jaguars or the Lions or the Jets weren't going to be bad also, but every single person in the country thought the Texans would be hands down the worst team. And we, we had a segment that was how many games will the Texans win this year? Like nobody yeah. thought the Texans would be 31st or better, or at least 30th or better. And the fact that they were just like hanging in there and looked like a more professionally run organization than say, I don't know, the Jaguars, I want to give David Coley a little credit. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely valid. Um, but speaking of exceeding expectations, uh, we already talked about the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit this year <laughs> and how we were both a little bit uh, displeasured about the fact that they will be playing in wildcard weekend and possibly even beyond. Um, but I think that your roommate, Liam, had a very interesting take about the Eagles. Oh, well, you know Liam very well by now. Uh, he was not happy when the Eagles clinched a playoff spot. Uh, he has no personal vendetta against the Eagles. He just doesn't want to watch them play in the playoffs, which is totally fair. And he proposed that we should be able to vote a team out of the playoffs and replace them with someone else. And even though I just kind of laughed at first because it was funny... I started thinking about it and it got my gears turning, right? Okay. Like the Eagles are bad enough to where they're not enjoyable to watch in the playoffs, but they're good enough to where they're not funny. Yeah. Like the Steelers are a little bit funny yeah. in a way. Yeah. Although we're going to get to them in a second. Um, well, I saw this stat the other day. It's that the Eagles did not have a single win against a playoff team this entire year. And the only other team in the NFL that did that was the Falcons. Whoa, that's yeah. an interesting stat and a good point on your expansion argument. I do think there needs to be a rule, though. Like, maybe the public, there's like an 80% threshold or something. If more than 80% of people are like, 
get this team out of the playoffs, I feel like we could be allowed to kick them out. And I think it's funny that you mentioned the Connor Cook Raiders team. Yeah. That's a team that I think could have been voted out of the playoffs. Yeah. I uh, I mean, it's definitely an interesting concept. But I just need to ask for some clarification. When you say, like, an 80% threshold, are we just opening this up to the fans and it's all popular vote? Or do maybe, like, journalists and players get a priority, like, all-star? I actually kind of say keep the inside out of it okay maybe no journalists no players and make this rely on the public maybe you need to have some kind of proof that you're worthy of a vote true you're a good enough nfl fan i don't know how that would work i'm just spitballing here okay well it's definitely something that we could build on in the future um well after the playoff picture came out i think i would actually vote the steelers out now instead of the eagles i mean i don't know tomlin had his 15th straight non-losing season Big Ben got his little send-off. Look, man, to quote Dua Lipa, let's end it like we should and say we're good. Wow. I didn't think that it was time for every slap tells a story yet, but you continue to (laughs) amaze me. Um, Okay, well, let me ask you this. If you're voting the Steelers out of the playoffs, who do you want to replace them? Good question. It's the old, like, so-and-so was snubbed from the All-Star game. It's like, okay, well, then who do you replace them with? Right. That's a good question. So, you know, from a talent perspective, you could say the Chargers, but that seems a little cheap after they did have a chance to control their own destiny and yeah. get into the playoffs. I mean, same thing with the Colts. Right. And so I have some fun replacement teams for you. Okay. There actually isn't a very long list, and part of it is due to the seven-team expansion per conference. Right. Uh, number one is the Jaguars. Just to torture Urban Meyer. Hey, they're on a hot streak and they have momentum. It would it would hurt Urban it Meyer would hurt so it, much. Yeah. That could be pretty funny. Um, well, I think another one, actually, speaking of uh, Tom Brady's kryptonite, how about Washington? Okay, I'm I'm all for it if we match them up with yeah, the exactly. Bucks for the first game as the seven seed. Okay. Let Heineke run around, make some entertaining plays. Yeah. I kind of feel like Washington would be a fun shoo-in. Okay, any other ideas? Uh, the third one I'm going to go with is actually the Detroit Lions because uh, Jared Goff is a king now and they're hot and Amon Ross St. Brown cannot be guarded anymore. Dude, do you think that um, Osiris St. Brown, the other brother, is like forming a club with Leangelo Ball as like, <laughs> the outcast of their family? Uh, if Equinemius St. Brown like catches touchdowns in the Super Bowl, then maybe, but I don't think it's at that point yet. He's basically not in the NFL. That's how <laughs> irrelevant he is. Hey, we might eat our words soon though, if That's all goes true. well. Yeah. Um, you know, and last note on the Lions, like people like them, you know, I haven't heard a lot of like, fuck the Lions comments this year. So just to clarify though, we're voting the Steelers out of the playoffs and the three teams you propose for a placement are the Jaguars, the Lions and Washington, the football team. I think you might just thwarted your own argument. Well, okay. The Steelers tied the Lions and the Lions should have won that game, but they didn't have a real kicker. Uh, Washington's probably as good as the Steelers. And the Jaguars is just a complete spite vote. All right, fair enough. So that's kind of where I'm at. It's just possible replacement teams. And you know what? You're right. I don't think this is a year where we would hit the 80% threshold. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, maybe we'll send an email to Roger Goodell, strongly worded. Let him know I'm very upset 
about the Eagles and Steelers being in the playoffs and see if he'll consider the 80% threshold. I'm sure he's going to take the emails very seriously. Oh, yeah. Once he figures out who I am, the well, co-host you know, of Potty Trained Me. He took the John Gruden email seriously yeah. after, like, a decade. So yeah. maybe in eight to ten years, he'll take the email seriously. Okay, well, there we go. Okay, we have done very good damage on this episode. I just want to breeze through very quickly because the Packers have caused us a lot of distress over the offseason and really over the last decade. I would say that for a good team, they cause you about as much pain as they could. Uh, I know that like Lions fans, Falcons fans, Jaguars fans might be like hating us right now for saying that. But, you know, we've spent a lot of time suffering lately. Uh, we did get to experience the Super Bowl victory back in 2011, but since then, I'd say we've had our hearts broken about as frequently as possible, given that they're consistently good. Uh, I'm going to ask you this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how hard are you holding your breath throughout these playoffs for them? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't want to be the guy who takes for granted the fact that my favorite team has been consistently good throughout the past decade plus, but... Because they have been and have been in the playoffs so often, and I've seen how a lot of their seasons have ended up playing out, I would say I'm probably at an 8.5 on that scale. Just because, I don't know, the NFC Championship losses, they add up and they're painful. And there's been times where we're just clearly the better team and end up losing. And it's so frustrating and it seems like this could be maybe the time where this roster falls apart if Aaron Rodgers leaves or Devontae Adams. So it kind of seems like this is the year where we need to capitalize on our transcendent quarterback and finally get another Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm going to say an 8.5. 8.5? Yeah. For me, it's a clear 10, you know. Okay. I, I've been saying since, like, what, week five that we're built to lose another NFC Championship game, and I'm only, like, 0.5% joking about that. <laughs> I, I don't know. It felt like last year was the chance for Aaron Rodgers to win one more in a Packers uniform, and I believe that they were a better team than the Buccaneers, but they made too many mistakes in that NFC Championship at Lambeau, missed a real opportunity, so it like really is Super Bowl or bust for me, I think, not just for me as a fan, but for the roster as well. I don't know if they stay together, if they don't yeah. win another Lombardi trophy. Um, you know, if they make it to a Super Bowl and lose to the Chiefs or something, I could accept that as a fan, but I would be very sad and uh yeah, my breath is held tighter than ever and I think that they gotta get it done. Okay. Well, luckily we will have the wild card weekend off in terms of stressing about our team, the Green Bay Packers. And stressing about the Bucks losing because we know that's not going to happen. Yeah, okay. So my mental health will be relatively stable after this weekend, unless the Steelers win. <laughs> then I might just break down and cry. Um, but no, let's talk about this weekend. Oh yeah, weekend. if we make the Super Bowl and lose to the Steelers, then I'm done. <laughs> don't even say that oh my um but this weekend we have 
for the first time the super wild card weekend so we got a little two games on saturday three games on sunday one on monday spreading it out some more um super wild card weekend yeah uh the first game um unlike previous years will not consist of the houston texans so someone had to step up and take that game so thank you to the Bengals, um who will be hosting the raiders Thank you, Bengals. Yeah, very nice shoe in there for that Texan slot. I'm yeah. very happy for them. Last year, it went to Bills, Colts, which when we looked at all the matchups, that one definitely made the most sense. Um, yeah, Derek Carr is playing in his first playoff game, by the way. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see that. I hope it is competitive. I don't know if I really have a dog in this fight. I'll be happy for whoever wins and probably a little sad for whoever loses. Yeah. You know, it's always interesting looking at young quarterbacks playing in their first playoff games. Uh, Lamar was bad for three quarters in his first playoff game. Dak struggled for a half. Even Patrick Mahomes wasn't great in his first playoff game. Yeah. And um, and Deshaun Watson was, that was like his first two-score loss since high school, I think. Wow, yeah. Well, it will be interesting because it is two quarterbacks first playoff game Derek Carr may not be young anymore but still something he's never experienced um and going back to the whole Texans playing on Saturday afternoon in the playoffs phenomena I'd like to say that I'm actually happy with this matchup as a first playoff game because it seems like they would always just pick the teams with the worst markets and the least excitement. So Raiders Bengals, all things considered, like it could end up being a good game. I'd be willing to watch it. Oh, I'm definitely going to plan on watching yeah. it, and I hope we can talk about it next week. Yeah. Well, later that night will be the third rematch this year of the Patriots versus the Bills. Um, and all I can say is I just hope that this game unfolds in a way where. Mac Jones is forced to throw more than three passes because if so, I think that the Bills should have a pretty good chance. Yeah, those Eagles versus I'm sorry, those Bills versus Patriots games. We're gonna get to the Eagles in a second. Uh, those were two very different games, but one thing is very clear, which is that the Bills are super Josh Allen dependent, and sometimes it works in their favor because he is so talented and such an amazing playmaker that he is capable of making those plays to win them games. But there are other times where he looks a little bit lost out there. The offensive line is not helping him. The run game is not helping him. And the defense can only do so much. Uh, you know, JC Jackson might lock down Stephon Diggs. So we might need one of those other receivers, whether that be Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Isaiah McKenzie to step up. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie had a big game in week 16 against the Patriots. So this will be a fun one. I hope that there is some action provided. And yes, I would like to see the Bills go on in advance, but I also want to see more than like three passes from one side yes. of the ball. Praying for clear skies and warm weather by Buffalo standards. Good call. I was, I was going to say, if you didn't say Buffalo standards, I'd be like, you dreaming, buddy? <laughs> Yeah, um, so then we can move on to the next day in Super Wild Card Weekend, which will be the morning game, the Eagles versus the Bucks, um, which is actually the only wild card game that is going to be broadcast by Fox, which presumably means 
our boys Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be taken. Oh, it's this one, not the Cowboys one? Yeah, for some reason, that one's CBS. That is the best news I have yeah. gotten all so, day. So, we didn't want to watch this game anyways, um, because it's going to be a Bucks blowout, and it's good. Now, our least favorite announcers can take the helm at this game, and we can just ignore it like it never happened. I don't even hate Joe Buck that much. It's really just Troy giving the most annoying insight yeah. ever, and I'm sorry to be that guy, but it's so frustrating. And also, like how they handled the Donald Parham thing and the Chargers-Chiefs game was just really weird to me. And Yeah, it is a tough situation, but it did not seem like they were taking the threat seriously enough. If I watch this game, I might watch it on mute, and I say that to myself every time it's a Joe and Troy game, but I never actually do it. But maybe one day I'll just do it. Yeah, well, the 49ers-Cowboys game, which will be following Eagles-Bucks, oh, I thought this was going to be the, the Joe one that we game. thought, but... Because it's CBS, I'm thinking it might actually be Tony and Jim, which is like the best possible trade-off ever, especially because Tony Romo and the Cowboys, that could be fun. He might have some cool insights. Um, uh, Jim, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's going to step back. Debo Samuel is going to cut left and run 100 yards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I don't know. A lot of people have been talking about this game as a potential upset. The 49ers is a very trendy pick right now. Um, do you buy into the hype? Yeah, I buy into the hype. I don't know if I necessarily think they will win the game, but I'll say this, that this is a bad first-round draw for Dallas. Yeah. If you are a wild-card team, then you have to deal with whoever you have to play in the first round. But if you're a division winner, you can hope that you get a semi-decent matchup. The Cowboys are a three-seed. It's not terrible. Uh, I think it's a bad first-round draw. These two teams are very similar. And by the way, this is the only game in super wild card weekend that did not occur in the regular season. Every other matchup has happened at least once this season, oh, except for this one. Interesting. Okay, so we'll get a little bit of uh, novelty out there this weekend. That's always exciting. Yeah, two teams that can run the ball extremely well, uh, high power offenses at times. The Niners' D line has improved. And Cowboys have so many playmakers on all levels of offense and defense, and I think they're going to need those playmakers to step up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the night game on Sunday is going to be... Oh, baby! The Steelers and the Chiefs. Did um, we say that Eagles-Bucks is the one we're least looking forward to? Because it actually might be this game. Yeah, I mean, I hear you, but also I think that Chase Claypool could do something really funny. So... I would say for that reason. I'm looking forward to this one slightly more. By the way, did you like how I screen recorded Chase Claypool's Instagram story of his team celebrating in the locker room that said, playoffs, baby, when the game was in overtime because I was like, oh, if it ends in a tie, I'm never letting this go. Yeah, I was rooting for a tie just for that reason. <laughs> Chase Claypool could get crushed. Why do all, why are all Steelers receivers like this? <laughs> I don't know. It's something about the culture. I actually think Chase Claypool could be a really good player, too. Yeah, yeah. Just another guy Mike Tomlin has to deal with, though. <laughs> oh, what a poor guy. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, last game, another super exciting one. Cardinals versus Rams. Wow, did the Rams lock out by A, getting a home playoff game, and B, not having to face the Niners. 
Right, yeah. I mean, the Rams have already played the Cardinals twice this year, too. Um, they did split the series, so it'll be interesting to see. I think Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Two very different games, by the way, so another yeah. interesting reason. Um, are we going to get the Monday Night Football announcing crew? I think we are, yeah. And what does that mean? I think that means they might be obsessing about field goals late in the game. Yeah, so can you give some context here? Well, and the second Rams-Cardinals matchup that was on Monday Night Football, the Cardinals were down 10 late, and they were driving um, as time was winding down. And, I mean, they were by no means, you know, out of it, like, statistically, but it was, like, kind of trending towards the place where the Rams were probably going to win, barring a miracle, but as they're driving, like, as soon as they got across midfield, the announcing crew would not shut up about how the Cardinals need to take a field goal as soon as possible so that they could make it, get the onside kick, and then have time for the last possession. And it was getting to the point where it was, like, a little bit ridiculous how much they were bringing it up. But, to their credit, they did end up taking a field goal at some point, did get the onside kick, and then... There wasn't a lot of time when they got the ball back. They had to throw a Hail Mary, and I think Kyler Murray ended up getting sacked. Yeah, Obviously, it didn't work out. So, I mean, maybe they were on to something and they knew better. <laughs> so I'm hoping for a similar situation where it's like a two-score game late and one team is trying to claw back into it so that they can be even more reaffirmed by the fact that last time they were right and keep talking about the field goal. It's like when in college basketball, a team is down by three or four points late in the game, and they're like, you don't have to take the three here. You can get the quick two. Right, yeah. Well, that's funny. By the way, uh, first onside kick recovery for Arizona since 2008. Really? Yes. Wow, that's a stat right there. Oh, big um, stat guy lately. Another thing about this game um, is that it's the jefferson family battle with van jefferson wide receiver on the rams playing against his father sean who's the wide receiver's coach for the cardinals and in the second meeting the same monday night football game van jefferson scored a long touchdown and they showed sean over on the sideline looking just more pissed off than anyone in the stadium (laughs) so either he's a really good actor or he's really committed to his franchise but our dad actually had a really good call he's like sean jefferson is acting like he's the cardinal's secondary coach (laughs) true it's like it's on his side of the ball that's how upset he was who do you think contains their emotions better sean jefferson or chris collinsworth (laughs) it's damn close but at least chris collinsworth is more just giddy sean jefferson has anger management issues or something was it that bad it was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, the Jefferson Bowl. I'm excited. Uh, any thoughts on the Cardinals? Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to see them play just because they were so good and explosive at the start of the year, and they've really just leveled off in the past six, seven weeks. So I'm wondering, I feel like this matchup is going to show if they're a legit team that just had a bad stretch and a hard schedule there at the end, or if they really did level off 
and aren't the same team anymore and will get exposed as an inferior opponent, much like the Steelers did last year against the Browns after starting 11-0. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really trust the Cardinals, if I'm being honest, but yeah. uh, we'll they see. can do it. They're 8-1 and one on the road this year. That's best record or best road record in the NFL, so... Road field advantage. Yeah, they're probably happy that they choked away the division. They probably let the Seahawks score like 40 points on them. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Cliff Kingsbury, honestly. That's that's next level. Everyone's playing checkers, and Cliff Kingsbury is playing chess. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, well, should we do brief picks? Because usually I'm pretty good on wildcard weekend. Yeah. So um, I'll let you go first, then. Okay, we'll go game by game. Uh, Raiders, Bengals... Shoot. I hate to be that guy because I really would love to see the Bengals win a playoff game after all the nightmares they had, but I mean, I finally don't want to ignore the Raiders anymore, so there's probably going to be one upset that happens. I'll take the Raiders. Okay, wow. Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to take the Bengals. I think that they're is a lot of hype about them right now. Um, but I think that the Raiders were a borderline playoff team and the Bengals have home field. They're excited and I think they take care of business. Okay, what about the game with the number one and number two scoring defenses in the NFL? That is the Bills and Patriots, mm. respectively. Uh, I'll go first, I guess. Okay. I mean, I'll take the Bills because I would rather see the Bills win. Yeah. But I do think it's a plausible upset, too, especially if the Patriots get on top and it's Josh Allen who's forced to make plays as opposed to Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think the Bills should win this one, but we've seen Bill Belichick just win playoff games by a lot that a lot of people thought were going to be close games. He usually has a really good defensive scheme ready, and like you said... If they get behind early and the Patriots are protecting a lead, that's where they're best. So I think I'm actually going to pick the upset with the Patriots here. Two disagreements so far. Wow. Interesting. Okay. We'll revisit this next okay. week. Okay. Um, we're both picking Bucks. Yeah, Bucks, Bucks. Don't need to talk about it. Okay. Cool. Uh, actually, I like Niners-Cowboys as a discussion because like Patriots-Bills, I think whoever gets out to the early lead has a huge advantage in this one okay. given that both teams run the ball very well. Uh, the Cowboys' passing offense and the Niners' passing offense can stall at times. Yeah. And both defenses have playmakers. Um, I don't know. Like, this is a very trendy upset pick, and I think it's going to be a really good playoff game. I'm going to take the Cowboys, and I don't, you know, I think it's part of it is they have so many playmakers on both sides of the ball that, Sometimes, like, guys can just step up and take over a game. Uh, and the other reason why is that uh, Dak just, at this point in his career, has a lot of playoff experience. He had an amazing year coming off of that injury. And I think that he's the someone with the right temperament and level of poise to lead his team to win a playoff game that they theoretically should win. Not that Jimmy doesn't have those qualities, but it's harder when you're on the road. Okay, that's fair. But I think we're actually going to have our third disagreement. I'm going to take the Niners. I probably wouldn't have, um, if you're talking to me a week ago, predict them to win a playoff game. But just after watching that 
Rams Niners second half. They, it's just clear that they have a lot of heart, and they just kind of seem like a team that's poised to make a big upset. Um, kind of reminds me a lot of like that Packers team in 2010 that ended up winning the Super Bowl that just needed to get in week in the last week of the season, pulled something really clutch, and seems like they got the momentum in their favor. The Cowboys have had some bad moments this year, like when they got blown out by the Broncos, and I'm not completely sold on the consistency. So I'm going to take the Niners. Okay, that's a very strong pick. I'm really looking forward to that game. Probably rooting for the Niners. Nothing against yeah. the Cowboys, but I've had a lot of fun with their little run too. And, you know, we've got good friends that are Niners fans as well. Uh, Steelers Chiefs. Kind of want to pick the Steelers because of Big Ben doing the drama queen play the victim thing, saying they don't have a chance. But for my own sanity, I'll pick the Chiefs. I'm also going to pick the Chiefs. I think it would be classic if the Steelers won after Big Ben said all that, but I still think that they're a way worse team. Okay, Cardinals-Rams. This is interesting, right? Because uh, they split the season, um, the division series in the season. Uh, The road team won both times. Uh, Each quarterback played awesome one game and not well in the other game. So, you know, there's a lot of variables up in the air. Um, You know, this one's tough because the Rams have a better roster, you'd think. Uh, The Cardinals, when they're on, they look on. Kyler Murray came into SoFi, looked so comfortable. They had, I think, 35 minutes of possession. So the defense was exhausted. Possession split was much more even in Week 14. I'm going to go off of recency bias and take... The Rams, they had won five in a row before losing in Week 18, and they were starting to click a little bit, whereas the Cardinals had a much different last little stretch of the season there, too. And I think that home field will help. I think the Rams are a better roster, and it's just hard for me to trust the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. I think I'm going to go off of recency bias as well and pick the Rams. I just... I don't know. I can't take the Cardinals seriously after they've been so inconsistent at the end of the season. And I think that Sean McVay has been in this position before, and I trust him a lot more than Cliff Kingsbury to have the team ready. So three disagreements, three agreements? Yeah. Okay, we'll get back to that next week, hopefully. Um, Okay, wow, this has gone on a long time, but I'm glad that we've had a lot to say it's our favorite time of Potty Train Me episodes. Shout out to, would you like to take the lead? Yeah, I'll go first. So I want to shout out um, a friend that you and I recently made. Um, he, I don't know his name, but I do know that he has a t-shirt that uh, says The Grateful Dead and it's in the font of the Godfather movie. So it's a super cool shirt. And we actually ran into him twice at the Pete's Coffee on Upper State in Santa Barbara. Um, And this guy deserves a shout-out because he rightfully roasted both you and I. No pun intended. Oh, yeah. For (laughs) showing up to Pete's. um, We were both wearing Pete's Coffee shirts, and we... 
actually went there because you had seen an advertisement about their new churro flavored lattes. We're like, oh, all excited about it. Got to go order the new drinks. We we're fully dressed in our attire. Um, so it was well worthy of a little bit of uh, playful teasing, if you will. And then uh, afterwards, we had a nice conversation with him about classic rock. Um, nice guy. And then said our goodbyes got up and then he noticed that we were wearing the exact same pair of white sambas just to top it all off so this guy probably thinks that we're really weird um and he probably has something to it there um so shout out to this nameless man yeah and uh we ran into him again yesterday right I mean, he probably thinks that we, like, do that every single day is the funny part. <laughs> I wonder if he's there every day. Maybe he is. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll probably see him again. I sure hope so. He was a cool guy, though. Because yeah. sometimes when you get into conversations with strangers, it's like you're just looking to get out of it as much as possible. Yeah. But after about 30 seconds, I was like, no, this guy's pretty cool. Like, I'm down to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll be our next guest. Dude, maybe. Maybe. By the way, do you remember on vacation this summer when we had three different instances of accidentally coordinating our clothes it, like it was ridiculous i think it was the peach shirts yeah and then soccer jerseys and then i don't remember what the third one was maybe it was like ucsb shirts yeah that sounds right i think it also might have been consecutive days too which would have made it even more ridiculous Ugh, it was like a very short period but that it was, was getting to the point where it's like okay this needs to stop yeah, that was gross. Jeez. Okay. Um, shout out to crossword puzzles, actually, because I learned a new word this week. Diddy. Uh, D-I-T-T-Y. Uh, it is defined by Merriam-Webster Dictionary as an especially simple and unaffected song. And uh, do you want to know what the clue was where Diddy filled in on the crossword puzzle? It was air, as in A-I-R, as in like the thing you breathe that like you can wave around Make that make sense to me. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not following that one. Actually, as a result of Diddy being the answer, I'm now only allowed to speak two words per day, so... Sorry! <laughs> well, I had would have hoped the clue would have had something to do with the little Diddy about Jack and Diane. Oh, okay, I <laughs> That's see you. the only instance I've ever heard that word used before. Wow. Certainly nothing relating to air. Yeah, nothing related to air, except the fact that Jack and Diane breathe air, which is the biggest You're stretch right. it's ever. It's so obvious, right in front of you. Yeah, How you could you not put, get that? You put anything in a crossword puzzle now. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, man. Okay, well, I think that's going to do it for Super Wild Card <sighs> Preview. Well, uh, any final words for the homies? Um... Thanks to all our listeners. Um, I just wanted to say I know it's pretty cold up north in Canada right there. So make sure to take care of yourselves. Wear a lot of layers. Um, have warm drinks. Um, and I'm looking forward to the NHL playoffs as much as the rest of you. Okay. Heck yeah. Always get that shout out in there at the end, of course. And um, I guess to sign off, uh, per... A promise I made to a select group of people after uh, hedging a bet that I lost because I underestimated the power of some of my closest friends. <clears throat> I do have to do this. 
That was the dog pound right here on W Balls 187.4 on your FM dial. You tuned into the biggest balls of them all, DJ Salt, T Nuts. Hey, don't forget about my homeboy Easy Dick and the Jack Off Hour that's happening at 12 o'clock tonight. Right now we got some new Snoop Doggy Dog for that ass. This one is called The Shiznit. You're about to go downtown, bitch, right here on the station that plays only platinum hits. That's 187.4 on your FM dial if you're licking nuts. W Balls. Everybody's got to hear the shit on W Balls, W Balls, W Balls.